<laughs> I remember when he came getting, into the gym, he was like, yo, you gotta listen to this song. <laughs> getting flashbacks of the wedding yesterday. <laughs> oh, did he play this? Yeah. Like three times. Titi me preguntó. Oh, I forget she can't hear it. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> so what's the relevance of the song? <laughs> there's no. Do relevance. I want to know? <laughs> no, no, there's no, 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 not really. Yeah. There's no, there's no relevance to it. It's just that he came into the gym one day and said, "Yo, Marco, you gotta listen to this song." And Some, then they sometimes it. we play Bad Bunny at the gym. Yeah, we play Bad Bunny at the okay. gym, and it was yeah, it slapped. I go, <laughs> yeah, this is dope. No, I one, of, shit. one of my boys that I used to train like every day. Uh, he was Colombian, and that's the only thing we could play. When <laughs> oh, he was Colombian. Yeah. Bad what are you, Mario? Uh, my mother is Cuban. And okay. My father is Italian. Okay. So I'm I'm half Spanish. Gotcha. But full Bad Bunny fan. So. <laughs> yeah, you've been to every concert. Uh, I've been to a few. Is he on tour again? He will be. Yeah. Yeah, he just dropped an album. Huh? Yeah, just yeah. dropped a new album, and um, yeah, ticket prices are are even crazier than they were. That, that's what all the uh, the memes are right now. General admission, six to eight hundred bucks for a ticket. Everyone's like, damn, probably not gonna go. I'm like, I'm gonna go to at least three. <laughs> at least. <laughs> Dino, get prepared to travel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. So yeah, this is episode three of the all season podcast. We got my good friend, uh, client, uh, mentor, Mario G. Cesario. It rhymes, I know. <laughs> um, and the question that gets asked a lot is uh Where's your brother Luigi? <laughs> <laughs> and then when that movie dropped, the Super Mario Bros. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should tell your daughters, yeah, that movie's about me. It's my it's a biography of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look more like that other guy, that the Jack dude with the beard and the shades. I, we saw that in theater at Universal. And uh, then he goes, That looks like Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, I I gave him a heads up on the question we like to open up with is tell us who you are without telling us what you do. Yeah, which is such a great question. And literally to this moment, I don't have a rehearsed answer for it. I am just a man. <laughs> um, you know, my the the different hats, the different roles that I wear on a regular basis are probably not different than anybody else you'd have on here, right? Uh, I, I'm a dad. I have two two daughters, two children. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, a business owner. Um, I try to be a good person, try to do the right thing, try to live every day to my potential and ultimately try to work on accomplishing my goals. And that's that's who I am. It's what, what I dedicate my life to. Um, and I'm happy about that. It's not always easy. Yeah. It's yeah. not always fun, but that's who I am. So you did a little bit of both on there. You told us what what you do a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. Right. Um, when you mentioned being an entrepreneur, what businesses do you own? Yeah. So so right now I'm the um, owner of a martial arts studio, Caesar Kai Karate Academy, which just turned 13 years old this year. Um, was my first business. I turned 22 years old and I, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the longer story, but it was something that I have always done. And I told myself, I think I'm going to try this. I'm going to see how it goes. Being so naive to all the 
things that could have gone wrong, all the different difficulties in starting and running and owning a business. I didn't think about any of that, which is probably a good thing. Um, I'm also the owner of a fitness franchise called the Max Challenge, which I've now owned for nine years going into my 10th year. I'm a co-founder of an after-school and summer camp program called Cranford's Best Kids, which we just uh, hit our, our fifth year being open. And I am also a consultant, you know, as, as everybody says, they're a consultant, but it's also um, something that I spend a lot of time on and something that I get a lot of joy from working with business owners in that process of scaling up and, you know, really trying to just become as efficient as, as possible. So right now, those are the different things that I spend my time in. I love that consulting side because I feel as if I get the free consultation every <laughs> training session he pays me <laughs> to <Right>. consult. <laughs> yeah so that's that's awesome um that's usually how our conversations go during our sessions we'll lose track of time we're supposed to be together for an hour but it turns into two and it's just it's like ah it's okay yeah <laughs> I, I mean going. i i think one of one of the most beneficial parts of that is not even just as as you know uh, an entrepreneur as a business owner but just as as a guy you know, having good core friendship with somebody else who is interested in the same things. We want to, you know, accomplish our goals. We want to help people and we want to build a business. So just having somebody to be able to really bounce those ideas off of and have those types of conversations with is invaluable because a lot of times when we're doing what we do, we could feel like we're on an island. A lot of times we feel like our own problems are our own problems that no one else has ever faced them before and when what we've learned is when we have those types of conversations um we all go through the same things we all go through the same experiences we all have the same issues at different points so being able to talk about that is is huge and so beneficial so i'm just as grateful for our our relationship as 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 you are so thank you and he gifted this beautiful bottle of uh, <laughs> Don Julio. Hey. This bad boy right here. We already yeah. popped it open. I'm sweating a little bit. I think I had two <laughs> two shots of that before we started. <laughs> Josel asked him right before he came up. Yeah. I go, yo, we got Don Julio. He's like, nah, I can't drink. I can't. I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> I'm recovering from golf. Long day yesterday. Ooh. Long day today. <laughs> yeah. No, that's typically the relationship I have with Josel as well, where he kind of saw me as a mentor or a kuya is what we call a big bro. Mm -hmm. But then I would always get so much from him and feedback, right, on business and how he ran his business and I get ideas as well. Mm -hmm. And just seeing his tenacity, like his mentality, he'd be the perfect person to partner up for all season. That's how I'm telling him, take it and run with it. You know, and he's doing just that. He got the hoodie on and everything. <laughs> yeah, so. had a rep, had a rep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit younger than you guys, so I'm going through that a lot of different changes and trying to figure out where I want to go with everything. I'm only 28 turning 29. So uh, you guys had, you know, more skin in the game. But one thing I'm realizing about relationships is how important it is to keep the people around you that make you better. Right. Like they can be your boy or whatever, but like they could be a childhood friend and you've been together forever. But how much more are you improving each other's lives? Like where you want to go, you know, like growth wise, right. like where's your mentality with that? And it makes such a big difference when you guys are just hanging out and training and you guys are still, you know, pushing each other business wise and life wise yeah. as well. Yeah. One, one of the, um, one of the sayings, I guess that I think makes a lot of sense and that has really resonated with me is, and I'm sure you've all heard it, it's like the, the people think the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm. 
but the truth is the grass is always greener where you water it. Mm -hmm. And when you build the relationships and you feed into the relationships that feed you, those always make the best long-term connections. And you never really know the value of those um, ever, you know, because if you continue to live that way and just try to operate from a place of giving, um, the return that you get from that, what you eventually get back from that, you, you can, you can never really, you can never really know, but it's always worth it to do. So always, always fuel those types of relationships for sure. Water, water to grass. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I think the, the question you had for us prior was if we had an outline or a way we conduct the, the interviews yeah. and whatnot, but the biggest question that was popping into my mind, and I hope you're comfortable with it was the struggles with all those three businesses or even four sure with the consultation as well because you're asking what target right mm -hmm. what target market are we looking to cater to and Josella said the ones that are trying to be entrepreneurs or go to a different level or take it to the next level yeah so what, what was your biggest struggle starting off gosh um well one of the things I said earlier which I think is true is I was 22 years old when I decided I was going to start my first business. And in my case, it was, you know, opening a martial arts school. I did it. Um, I was able to find a, a basement of a church that let me literally teach classes for free. And in my mind, it was like, how do I get? And I was only able to do it two times a week. It was mm. Tuesdays and Thursdays. And how many um, of those classes did leading up to, did I look at the number of people there and go, it's not enough. I need to get more people here. And it was literally every single class that I taught, no matter how many people showed up, all I thought about is how do I get more people there? And, you know, the basics, um, getting the word out there, you know, I was putting flyers on cars and in people's mailboxes, which apparently you're not supposed to do. I didn't know. I was getting <laughs> cease and desist letters from the, the postmaster. I, th I didn't even know there was a postmaster. The guy, I think, wanted to kill me because I've kept like putting flyers in, in mailboxes. <laughs> but whatever it took is what I felt like I wanted to do. And the challenges and the struggles that I felt then are obviously very different than the struggles and the challenges that I experience today. Um, the point is, I think all along the process, you're always going to experience different challenges and, and different struggles. So for me, you know, 10 years, 15 years ago, the, the challenges that I tried to figure out were how do I grow my business? How do I keep my members um, happy? How do I market more efficiently? How do I try to make as much profit as possible without increasing the expenses. You know, it was like just the the basics of, of running the business. And it was without having any knowledge of anything at all. Like I, I didn't go to school. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to school for business. So everything was really just learning as I went along, as I think a lot of business owners do. And it's something I've learned over the years that is really common for a lot of small business owners. We're very good at what we do, which is why we want to create a business out of it. But scaling an actual business and being good at something are two very different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And I was very good at teaching martial art classes, which is why it was my first business. It's something I've done since I was you know, 12 years old as a kid. So that part of it was, was easy. I could do that in my sleep. 
but how do you make a living out of it? How do you create a business out of it? Is it again, a very different skill set? Um, and then, you know, today having over 30 employees across my different companies, again, my issues are, are, are just, you know, are, are different. There, you know, there's always a, you know, there's always a fire to put out. There's always something that requires attention. And I've accepted that, you know, it's, it's okay. However, what I also realize is the stronger that my systems are and the more attention I put to the processes that need to be in place, the less fires there are, the less things need attention. So it's kind of figuring out how do you structure your business in a way that it doesn't depend on you as the individual to run everything, to be the guy or the the woman, right, whoever's listening to this, but the business has to depend on and be built on systems mm. so that even if you are not the one doing it or running it, it can still run successfully. And that's always, you know, a, a challenge when, when you're scaling up. Yeah. So say I'm that owner operator, you know, I'm in that phase where I finally realized that me working in the business is holding the business back and I'm trying to build out the systems. What are the most important systems that I should put into place before I say, Hey, I'm going to hire the next guy. Yeah. Great, great question. So, and I, I think it really, you know, depends on, on the, you know, on the business and, and what part of the, of the scale up that, that you're on. But the most important thing, in my opinion, is is understanding in order to get to the next level, to the next level, to whatever the finished level is, right? It's understanding that if this business was done, right, what does that look like, right? Like if you're baking a cake, what does the cake look like when it's done? So a lot of us go into business only focused on just what the next step looks like, which is so common. And, you know, I, I've done this multiple times and I've made this mistake multiple times, never really thinking about the end result, just thinking about the next step. So if this business was done and it was generating X amount of revenue and yielding X amount of profit, what would that look like, right? What systems need to be in place? So I mean, again, that depends on on the business, but you want to make sure that your marketing definitely is tight, right? How how many leads you're getting in, how you're converting those leads, how you're closing those leads, what your sales system and your sales process looks like, what your staffing structure needs to look like. I mean, again, there, there's there's many facets of of what that is, but if you really just look at what you're doing right in that moment all of the hats that you're wearing and as small business owners we wear so many hats sometimes especially in the beginning we wear all the hats you are everything you're the marketer you're the salesperson you're the closer you're the doer you clean up you stock the closets you're doing everything so what is the least important thing that you're doing what is the least urgent thing that you're doing and those really simply can be the things that you start to delegate first before you're even worried about, you know, your, your next big hire, right? That that's the person that's going to replace the responsibilities that you're doing that are 
more important, more urgent skill sets, but just the real simple stuff. That's the stuff that you start to delegate first. I remember when I, when I had just my first martial arts studio, I felt um, at one point like, not that I owned a business, but that I owned my, my job, right? I was, I, I was afraid to get sick. I was afraid to go on vacation because I didn't think that the business would operate in the same way unless I was the one doing it to the point where even if I asked somebody to like, you know, stock the inventory closet, I'd be so critical <laughs> of watching how they would do it. I'm like, nah, that's not how I would do it. And then I'd wait till they leave and then I would redo it. And I'm like, this is crazy because I could live in that world and want to be the one that does everything, or I can figure out how to build a business, you know? And it's like, I can't build a business if I'm focused on delegating to somebody and then still wanting to micromanage that. So at some point, you have to also recognize that, you know, the the way in which somebody else does something may not, It's even if you have a strong system in place, it still may not be the way that you would do it. But as long as it's successful, it's good enough. And you got to move on and focus on, on the bigger things. So... A lot of bangers right there. That was, that was really That's good. A lot. That answered all my questions. Um, so, Maku, how did you handle that same transition where, you know, you first opened uh, the first Adelante spot and then you started saying, like, ah, I shouldn't be mopping right now. Like, I, I can work on scaling this up, you know? Like, when did you realize that? And then how did you uh, bridge that gap to making your first couple hires? Yeah, so that was tough for me. I, I was probably very similar to Mario where – things would stock a certain way or things were put back a certain <laughs> way. And then you you just grow from that because the one thing you always mention to me is, is that a thousand dollar an hour type of job. Right. Then why are you doing it? But right. you know, that's just saying putting a number to it and whatnot gets that, that mindset. Right. But it's still the same philosophy, which is, is this a task that's worth $25 an hour, a hundred dollars an hour, or $1,000 an hour. Right, right. And if you want to be the CEO, you have to work on the tasks that only the CEO should be doing, the $1,000 mm-hmm. an hour tasks. Yeah. And that's not stocking the inventory closet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because that's what I truly enjoyed at the time, even even bopping, cleaning, wiping down machines. And the, the point where it became a little too much was because I was still working full time. Mm-hmm. So something had to give. And if me working full time as a dialysis tech to support the gym was the only way, this model's not going to work. So then the moment I actually left that full time position is when the gym started to grow because I had a little bit more capacity to put into the gym, hired more people, got creative on, you know, what to do and hold events and get people through the door. It felt amazing. You know, and sometimes it gets a little scary because you have something that's consistent. You have something that's dependable, reliable, a check coming in, right? To now just relying on yourself. Mm-hmm. And you guys know that very well as entrepreneurs. I mean, Joselle, you built out Crank. And I remember when I met you, you had that other spot with a partner. And then you were saying, I should probably go out and do it on my own. And the one thing that resonated with Mario on the earlier answers was... I know the process. I can do it. I can do this in my sleep. And that's the same answer you gave me with Crank. Mm-hmm. Why not open up another gym? He's like, I could if I wanted to, right? So why not? And then what 
would drive you to step away from that? Or what? at what point for either of you do you get to saying, oh, this is not it? Like baking the cake. I don't want that cake anymore. Mm. So, I mean, for for me, it, it, in, in that part of my process, it wasn't necessarily... I don't want that cake anymore. It was, I want more cakes. <laughs> cake, cake, cake. I want that cake. All the flavors. And and part of that was I was I was building a team under me to support the systems and like the business that I wanted to create. When I made that transition from I'm gonna be the one to do everything to I need to build a team under me, what happens at some point is as a leader, you recognize that you have to now create opportunities for this team under you mm-hmm. if you want to have the longevity in in a team. And that's a that's also a pretty big responsibility because in the beginning, they're just there to do their job. But as a leader, you're selling a vision. You're giving them belief in your vision. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I started expanding was I needed to generate more revenue to create more opportunities for the people under me. Mm. So it wasn't just, I want to help more people. That was a part of it. It wasn't just, I want to make more money. And that was definitely a part of it, but it was, I want my people to stay with me Mm -hmm. and I have to be able to build a career for them, not just myself. So with one location to expand to two, what I had to do was actually take a pay cut. I needed to reduce my income so that I could pay people more to save my time. And then with that time, I would turn that into creating the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that would then open the door for me to make more income and you know, kind of re- repeat that process. So it was really just how do I help more people? How do I make more money? And then how do I create more more opportunities for for my team? Yeah. And that's still one of the main you know main drivers that I have because I recognize I can't do anything that I do without the people under me that are really involved in the day to day and and executing the day to day. So you have to create an environment where it's possible for them to be able to do that and also to be excited about that. And that's a big responsibility as well. And it's definitely also another skill set. And it's not necessarily an easy thing to do, but I I think for me it was, um, you know, just a a requirement in order to keep growing. Two questions. So when you opened the first gym, what was your goal or the first uh, studio? What was your goal with that? Were you thinking like, hey, I'm just going to jump in and then see what happens. Hey, I'm going to look to open another business and scale this out. Hey, I want to sell this. What was your mindset going into it? And then how did that, I guess, change? So to answer your question right off the the bat, zero goals. (laughs) (laughs) Zero goals, zero uh, like (laughs) intention, zero exit plan. Just, I'm going to do this because I think I should, and I'm good at teaching classes, and I'm going to try to do this instead of going to work for somebody else. Um, Now, 15 years later, looking back, if I was going to start over, of course, I would have a very different mentality on how my start would be, Um, which is, you know, if you've ever read the book... um, I think it's the 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 
the seven highly effective habits of successful people. Steve, habits, Steve, yeah. Yeah, Stephen Covey book. that book every episode. Yeah, really? <laughs> we all have a copy. <laughs> no, well, well, number seven is begin with the end in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what I was talking about before. It's like, if this business was done, what, what would it look like? The cake. So a successful entrepreneur, I believe now, does go into their opportunities to thinking about what the end result looks like, you know? Because you have to have that that blueprint in order to, to execute the steps in the most effective way possible. Um, but in the beginning, no, I had zero, zero goals. It was literally flying by the seat of my pants, going day by day and reflecting back to, oh, it seemed like a good day. At the end of the month, like, ah, I made a thousand bucks. That was a good month, nice, you know, like, nice, yeah. and then, you know, then the evolution of like, you know, all right, how do I turn this into a business? But it was that that process at first, which I think led me to my one of my biggest challenges, which was I was hating what I was doing, you know, and I, I don't think we hear enough about that, which is I owned my own job. I was the person who did everything. So in the beginning, it's very exciting. But at some point, if you don't implement the right systems, you become trapped you become a prisoner to this you know business that you created and this is where i think a lot of failure comes from because you the the burnout is so strong the resentment toward this you know creation of yours becomes strong to the point where i think a lot of people that don't make that leap that that big leap into running a business versus you know the day to day it's a challenge so luckily for me whether it just was like through my own realizations or, you know, some self-development that I was doing at that time. I remember one one book in particular, which I would say was like really pivotal for me. And and I've been reading a lot of self-development books since I was, you know, a teenager, really young and like, you know, trying to, you know, figure out the, the fastest, best way to do something. And that book that really was pivotal for me in business was The E-Myth. Mm-hmm. If you ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, the author's Michael Gerber, and it was the first book that taught me the principle of working on your business instead of in your business. Mm -hmm. And I was working in the business to the point where, again, I was like, I I don't even have time to get sick because if I get sick, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And it's just like, you can't live that way. Mm -hmm. So believing that it was possible to make that jump was the first step. And then instituting the process and the steps to make that jump was was the next thing. Second question, based off the first business, mm-hmm. you got to the point where you got everything in place and you're sitting down and you're looking at the little empire that you built, your first one, and you're thinking, there's two things in your mind. Do I open another one or this is pretty good. Do I just let it rock? Like what? What led you down the path or, or maybe that shows, you know, the kind of entrepreneur and person you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm content, but I'm not satisfied or, you know, like I want to keep pushing. What made you decide that? Yeah, I, I think that that phrase exactly is is a great way to say it. I, I'm content with where I am, but I'm not satisfied because I, I think as an entrepreneur, one of the one of the the feelings or um, fundamentals that fuels us is our ability to create. It's our ability to see a problem and want to solve it or believe that we can make a difference in solving it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like whether that's some level of being egotistical or, you know, or what, but like I, I can do this better. So at that point, you know, yes, the systems were in place. Um, I was making more money doing less work and people were happy. My team was happy. My members were happy. And that was a transition, you know, trust me. I mean, even like I said, teaching martial arts, I remember I had uh, members that were just very like, you know, if you're not teaching, we're going to leave. And I'm like, oh, no, people don't like this. That means that they're going to quit. And if they quit, I'm not going to make as much money. And then it's like, you know, a lot of pressure. But I had to commit to the to the process, which was like, I understand. Sorry you feel that way, but I'm going to do this. And some people left. Some people didn't, you know, and it's like life moves on. It wasn't a, it's never as big of a deal as sometimes we make it out to be in our heads. Um, but the the process of that scale up, I think no matter what, going through that process, it, it was worth it. Mm. So going into the second one, going into the third one was still fueled by the same, you know, the same motivation. I'm content because I accomplished what I wanted, but I'm not satisfied. And it's not not being satisfied because you're not making enough money or because you're not, you know, you don't have, you know, I don't have, I know somebody that has 10 locations and I don't have 10, so I'm not satisfied. It wasn't that for me. It was just believing that the potential that I have, the impact that I can make and that I want to make, it's just not there yet, right? I have the whole rest of my life in front of me. So what am I dedicating my life to? Is it just to make money? Is it just to, you know, hire people? Is it just to help people? It's a combination of, of all of that. But at the end of the day, my business is a reflection of, of me. So for me to want to get to the next level, it's building out that part of my identity, which is I create these things and I, I want to make an impact. I want to help people. Where did this relentless attitude come from? <laughs> was it from family, uh, maybe sports or, or competition that you went through growing up? Like what led you to identify with, I am this kind of relentless man that, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I see a problem, maybe I can solve it because I believe in myself and I, and I can accomplish great things or things that might seem, you know, mm -hmm. crazy to other people when you're telling them yeah. that don't understand. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd love to say that as far back I, I, as I can remember, I've always been this way and I came out of the womb wanting to solve problems. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure that that was always the case. I feel like, you know, I, as a kid, I definitely got like satisfaction from, you know, helping people and like, you know, doing the right thing, which I think is a great quality. If I think back to like my earlier memories of being entrepreneurial, and I, I've told this story before on other podcasts, and I think it's funny. If you remember, like in grade school, we had these um, fundraisers where we'd have to like sell candy, mm -hmm. the boxes and like the candy would cost three bucks. And it just occurred to me, I was like, if I sell them for five, I'm going to make two bucks for myself. <laughs> and it didn't occur to me that I was like, you know, doing anything wrong. I still don't think I was doing anything wrong because I just told the people it was five. Mm -hmm. I remember I told um, one of my teachers, like, guess what? I'm making two bucks off of each one of these candies. And they're like, 
you're not supposed to do that, but don't tell anybody. And good job. And I'm glad that that's the reaction they had because <laughs> it didn't scare me, you know, like from being uh, entrepreneurial. I'm glad they didn't ask for a cut. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you figured it out. I probably would have. Like, yeah, okay, okay. give me more boxes. But, you know, and that's like, you know, as an 11 or 12 year old is, you know, that was being entrepreneurial. Right. I, I had my first job when I was 12 years old, washing dishes in uh, in a restaurant by my house. And it was the thought of making my own money and like, you know, saving up my allowance. That was just exciting for me. So, um. You know, that's how that's how I started. I always had bits of those qualities. And I guess along the way, just being fortunate in being exposed to different mentors that fed into that. I have family members that are entrepreneurial that have fed into that. Um, my uh, aunt has been a really successful business owner for you know, like 30 years. And I think I, you know, I worked many summers, you know, in, in her company Um just, you know, obviously completely unrelated to what I do now, but those environments um, were, I think, really crucial. And then it was like my own self-development, reading books. I remember um, there was a, a book that came out when I was in high school. It's called The Millionaire Mind. Mm-hmm. And it was about the qualities of what makes a millionaire. And it was um, really popular in like the business world. But like I was in high school, like walking around with this book and everyone's like, what class is that for? And I was like, no, it's just like, I'm reading that to like, why, why are you doing that? You know? Mm-hmm. So when I think back in those moments, there was always those parts of me that wanted to accomplish, wanted to be successful. And, you know, I'm, I'm still in that journey, you know, like I still am working on accomplishing that, but yeah. Yeah. The one thing that resonated with me a lot was when you mentioned <clears throat> not going to school or yeah. or beyond high school and still be able to get after it you know open three businesses be successful with it yeah i think you just had that mentality and he had a great word for it relentless <clears throat> being relentless towards the entrepreneurial spirit and i know some of our audiences out there you know they're in school they're not in school whatever they're doing what type of message would you want to give them yeah um I, <laughs> I, school. <laughs> I, I, I'm cautious to, you know, recklessly say, don't go to school if you don't want to go to school. I I know for myself, I 100 percent did not want to go to college when I was in high school. I was an OK student. wasn't bad. wasn't like exceptional. I was a good student. I did not want to go to school. I knew that right from the beginning. And I struggled even to finish high school because I wanted to like get on with that part of my life so bad. And I finished, I, you know, I went through it. I had many conversations with my guidance counselors that were like, you have to go to college or you're going to be a failure. And I was like, I'm not going to go to college and I will not be a failure. And they're like, you're going to disappoint your parents. And I was like, that's on me. That's not on you. They're my parents. And they're like, get this kid out of here. Like, I just had an answer for everything because I knew that that's what I didn't want to do. And going back to my point before of like just being kind of fortunate to being exposed to, you know, certain environments. When I made those decisions, I'm also fortunate that my parents were kind of like, 
not gonna you know they didn't put an absurd amount of pressure on me like you know you're not going to go to college you know my my mother we were talking about before you know she's an immigrant coming from cuba so like of course the 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 child of any immigrant parent is like they're, they're going to go to college and they're going to have a life that they did not have so then to be that child and tell them i'm not going to do that it, it it could be really you know a problem for them but luckily for me it was just like okay, what's your plan then? Like, we don't want you to waste your life. We don't want you to, you know, stay home and do nothing. And obviously I was still ambitious at that age. I was still like working and trying to make my own money. And I was training martial arts, like, and teaching like literally every day. So it wasn't like, um, I didn't already have a little bit of a track record that I was going to try to accomplish something, but they gave me like a year, you know, to, to figure it out. And I'm grateful for that. And, it, you know, it worked out for me. So going back to your question, I think that the belief in yourself is always going to be the most important thing, right? But I do also believe you should have a plan mm -hmm. and you should be committed to what your plan is. And if you're in school and listening to this and all you know is that you want to be in business one day, you want to be an entrepreneur, but you have no plan to commit to. It's never too late. Finish school. That's fine. Like one year, two years, three years, four years. It's not going to make a difference in the grand scheme of things, in my opinion. So if you don't have a plan and you just have the desire, finish the commitment you started, go to school, all good. And then if you change course, you change course. It's it's not going to make a difference, in my opinion, in the long run. Yeah, I think there is a statistic where the <laughs> the major that you have in undergrad mm -hmm. tends to change, or or what you do afterwards. Like for instance, I have a bachelor's degree in marketing. Mm -hmm. Whether it applies to the gym or my previous businesses, you yeah. know, I, I'm not working at a, a marketing firm yeah. or any advertising agency and it changes. And I even went and dabbled in the healthcare industry yeah. as a tech or even being a facility administrator and all that, going to school for nursing. Yeah. And one of my messages to the the younger generations is look, you could have it all planned out. You don't know until you try it. And I would say try it. Right. You know? I mean, I didn't go to college, so I'm still here trying to figure out what undergrad means because I don't even know what that means. Not graduating. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a form of late registration, right? <laughs> right. But not completely dropping out. <laughs> I, I, I I I agree with you. I, I I think that's you know I I think for a lot of young people in particular, they're especially now you know for better or for worse with social media, there's a lot of pressure of like accomplishing and you see young people, you know, that that are perceived to be rolling around in their millions and their beautiful cars. And, you know, we all know that there's a positive and a negative side to that type of imagery. Uh, Im imagery. It could be motivating and inspirational, but it could also put a lot of unrealistic pressure on mm -hmm. where you are and where you think you should be. And I'm just a big believer of you are exactly where you should be. And if you want to get to the next point, you put in the work to get to the next point. And whether that's finishing school, getting your degree, 
whether that's still doing that and studying entrepreneurship, watching YouTube videos, exposing yourself to real influencers late at night, you know, eight, nine, 10 o'clock when maybe your friends are out partying or on the weekends and you're putting in that work to develop those skill sets. Mm. That's what that's what you should be doing if that's the you know, if that's the desire that you have, but definitely not carrying that pressure to compare yourself to what you see online because you know everybody's journey is different and what you see online is not always the reality and i think i think at this point everybody knows that yeah yeah the behind the scenes the the struggles you know they're showing the wins more than the losses which will bring me to a great question with this theme yeah do you love to win or hate to lose love to win or hate to lose what a what a great question i don't i don't think of all the podcasts i've ever been on anybody's ever asked me that before um it's a great question i love to win i love to set out to do something not not just to prove to myself that i can do it because there have been many opportunities many times along my journey so far that I have sought out to do something and have not. There have been many times that I have fully believed that I am going to crush something and failed abysmally. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. I recognize that that's, that that's part of the process. Um, but if I was so afraid to avoid my failures, I can't imagine that I would be making any progress and making the strides that I've made. Because when people try to avoid their failures, they they can paralyze themselves. They can get so critical and, you know, overthink and become a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And something that I learned a long time ago that I'm also a big believer in is done is better than perfect. Yeah. Right? Like... I, I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to set out to accomplish this goal. And I might knock it out of the park. I might fall short. I might hit it exactly the way I want to. I'm not going to know unless I go for it. But if I spend the time thinking about all the things that could go wrong, all the ways that I could fail, all the risks that come along with it, um, the, the, the time to get from point A to point B would would just I couldn't deal with it. It would probably just be so much more thinking than doing. And I think any successful entrepreneur is going to spend or want to spend more time doing than thinking. That's huge. You're taking action on what you set out to do, mm -hmm. and that resonates with me because today's sermon over at uh, Church Alive, one of the quotes he used was, "Stop trying, start training." And stop trying, start training. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to do that. Oh, what's stopping you from doing it? You know, you start training it. And the other saying goes, uh, practice makes perfect. I don't think you ever get to perfect. And don't let <laughs> right. perfect get in the way of great. Practice makes progress. Right? You get better and better. And that's training. Yeah. Your training mentality as an entrepreneur, an athlete, you know, just in the gym. Yeah. And the other thing with avoiding your failures there is the quote by michael jordan as well he took he missed nine thousand shots he lost x amount of games and all that 
you know, but yeah, if I didn't, it's like the reason for those failures is why I'm winning. Right. Because right. he was you doing are. it. Yeah. You have to still do it in order to fail. Yeah. Right. One of, I, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs before, a lot of startup business owners. One of the like telltale signs that I have when I'm coaching a client on whether or not they're not whether or not they can be successful, but what it really tells me is where they really are in their mentality as part of the journey is when I ask them about what they spend their day to day on. Mm. Right. What are what are you what are, what are you committing your time to right now? And when it's a lot of um, <laughs> philosophical type of activities, <laughs> I already know that their their revenue is going to be lower because the time spent on action is not there, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of times, um, you'll you'll see people who are I I ha- I'm 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 learning and studying about how to do marketing and i am oh here's one of my favorites uh i'm building my website and so i i have met people that have been building a website for like two years (laughs) two years it's like oh i'm 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 doing the copy on my website okay have you made any sales yet no we're 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 not focused on that right now Mm. we're focused on (laughs) literally anything else that doesn't make money and i'm like okay i know what the starting point is and all that really is, is just the fear of doing it. It's mm-hmm. the fear of starting, the fear of rejection, the fear of somebody saying, no, I don't want to give you money because I don't like what you do. And for some people, that is just a paralyzing thought. But the reality is, once you get through that, there's nothing scary about it at all. It's mm-hmm. actually completely normal um and part of the process and the closer you are to you know to the yeses mm-hmm. right so how much time are you spending on the activities that are that are actually generating revenue yeah. i've met with startup owners that have thought about every aspect of their business except for how it's actually going to generate revenue i'm not saying they can't be successful i just think it's probably a really important part of having a business mm-hmm. generating revenue like probably goes hand in hand right yeah so uh, yeah that, that's another interesting part of it <laughs> i have a question for both of you um kind of same on the same topic how did you guys go about developing that confidence to take that first step you know to even think about like i'm gonna sign that i'm gonna here's my llc i'm ready to rock like how did you build the confidence to get to that step and then like you talked about um mm. confidence to start like hey I got to make these sales. I, I it's scary, and, and and people might say no. And I, I work so hard on this, you know, on my baby right here, and people are gonna <laughs> not gonna like it. How how do I take that first step or develop that confidence in myself to, you know, yeah. just go for it? Yeah, yeah. That that was a tough one. I <laughs> I want to say the confidence came from people telling me I couldn't, mm. or that I was gonna fail. No one's gonna come. No one's gonna show up. You know, preying on your downfall mm-hmm. or or not seeing it even take off from the ground. Or you said you're going to do it and you don't even execute at all. Like tomorrow's point, executing. Right. What are you really focused on? And that, that really hit me because it didn't come from people I didn't know. Mm. 
it came from people closest to It'd be me. Be your own. It's always it your own. Do be it's your, always own. your own. It sucks, <laughs> right? And then I think when uh, my my cousin said, "Oh, you want you want to get Mike to do something? Tell him he can't do it because he's he's gonna do it." Mm. And I've been known in the family to be, I guess, the the entrepreneur, the black sheep, outgoing, and all that. And and to me, what's the worst that someone can ever tell you? No, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> It's funny because I, I used to think that was the worst worst thing someone could tell you is no. What's the worst thing could happen? They're gonna say no. And there was this uh skit that I saw a reel of. It's like, yeah, no, no, dude, just go talk to her. What's the worst she could say? No? He's like, all right, cool. Hey, what's up? Ew. <laughs> worse than no. That's way worse than no. But yeah, the confidence came from um, I guess the the non-believers, and that that's important, right? Just to to believe in yourself enough. And in the face of people telling you no, mm-hmm. in the face of people telling you you can't and, you know, you're going to fail. This isn't going to work. It's crazy. Why? Yeah. Right. But you just got to build that over time. You you build thick skin to it. Yeah. Um, You keep your heart soft, but thick skin. Yeah. And you just got you can't let that go because as all entrepreneurs, we look pretty confident. I mean, just sitting on this couch. Wait. Bunch of confident dudes here, but <laughs> but yeah, that that's it right there. That was my motivator. Yeah, I, I I think you know if if I answered this question from my mon- mentality when I actually started, it'd be a very different answer than than it would be now. Um, like I mentioned before, back then when I started, I would say I didn't really even have confidence. I didn't. I was literally like so naive to all the things I was about to get into. Had I thought about those things first, I probably would have been more afraid to start. So I'm fortunate that I was able to just start and learn as I went along. If I answer that question now, you know, all these years later with the experience that I have, I would say that recognizing that it's okay to not have the confidence to start. Confidence is a feeling, you know, and and feelings, they change. And some things make us feel more confident and some things make us feel less confident. And you don't need to have that confidence in believing everything's going to work out perfect to start. But if you believe that just by starting... There's going to be great things that happen and challenges that come up and there's going to be, you know, obstacles that are going to be easy to solve and obstacles that are going to be tough to solve. And there's going to be people that are really supportive of you and there's going to be people that are not as supportive of you, like you were saying. And that's all part of the process. There's no right or wrong. There's just forward. It takes away all that pressure of I need to be this way to be successful. I believe anybody could be successful because it's the work and the action that leads to the success. It's not the, you know, the the individual personalities that we have. Sure, there's qualities of our personalities that will make that process easier, but you can have a, a very, you know, good-looking, charismatic, well-spoken person who takes minimal action still lose to a person who feels anxious and scared and doesn't know how they're going to, you know, make their next dollar 
and is like figuring out how to, you know, do something, but putting in that work late at night to learn those skill sets, that person can still outperform and be way more successful than the person who feels confident in the beginning. And that's what I love about entrepreneurship because it is the most fair level playing field for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's the work that you put in to the results you get out. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. That's, that's the, that's the success formula in yeah. my opinion. So that's my, that would be my, my answer 15 years later. <laughs> would be your answer, Giselle. My answer. Well, going back to the sales thing. Mm. So I think I, we're all this kind of person. Like when somebody tells me, no, I say, why? Right. Like why not? So mm. then whether they tell me why, or I get more data about it, at least now I know why they said no, and I can't let it happen again. Mm -hmm. So now I can improve my product. I can improve the system. I can improve my process. I can improve the end result, hopefully. And if not, I just get more data. So like you said, Mario, it's, it's doing the thing. You have to do the thing to collect more data to see what's working and what doesn't work. I, I, and I think that, that alone says a lot about you as an individual, because just asking the question why and opening yourself up to whatever the response is going to be, most people are not willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Most people can't handle the, the, the criticism of rejection. And when you're able to separate your identity from the feedback, that's to me where the success is, right? Because they're not saying like no to you <laughs> as a person. It's just whatever their feedback is. And that's okay. And even if it is no to you as a person, they, even if they said, I would still do this if it wasn't with you because I don't like you, you got to have that tough skin and you have to mm -hmm. believe, like you just said, Maku, that even if that's what one person feels, that's not what everybody feels. Or what did I say in this certain way that this kind of person didn't resonate with it like this right. person did? Right. So it's like I always try to stay as accountable as possible and, and put the extreme ownership if you guys have read that like mm. if there's a problem how can i better influence the result you know yeah for sure i mean i i personally always think it's the client's fault never mind <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> he didn't read extreme ownership <laughs> it's never my my responsibility no i like that the accountability and just digging deeper um when i was working with a financial services firm it be called handling objections because they're not saying no to you or the plan. Mm. It's something else. So you got to dig deeper. So when someone says no to, oh, why won't you do the training sessions? Or what What did I do different? And why did you even come here in the first place? Remember, you came to me. I didn't come to you, right? Right. So you just got to dig deep on their why and be not afraid to ask that and be afraid of the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a, a good general reminder for this part of the conversation is understanding everything that we're talking about are skills. Mm -hmm. Skills can be developed. I was just having this um, training earlier with some of my team that we were, you know, doing a workshop in today. And we're talking about about skills. And just like a muscle, the more you work on it, the more you practice, skills can be developed. And I think a lot of times we forget about the repetition, the importance of learning, learning a skill, 
practicing it, failing through it, getting feedback, refining it, making it better, and committing to that process. You can be a four at sales and train and work and and learn and practice, and you can increase that four to an eight. And the results you're getting, I mean, you could be even a nine or a 10, but the results that you're getting by going through that process are going to be huge. But it's that fear of I'm just not good at this, so I can't I can't do this because I'm not good at it. When in reality, it's just time against the result that you're you're trying to accomplish. Right. Like going from not being able to squat 225 <laughs> to now squatting 500. He's getting personal on me now. But yes, that, that, <laughs> that, is, that is that is exactly right. <laughs> now Mario, Mario came to me um, in February of 2022 mm-hmm. for personal training, and I loved his answer on why he chose Adelante Barbell Club. He yeah. said, you were the first one to answer back. Dude, it was crazy, you know, and again, having my own like service based businesses and then being a client, right, where I'm like, okay, I want to start lifting. I want to build muscle. I want to like, you know, I want to get stronger and change my life. So now I'm a client and I'm looking for any powerlifting gym and our area is just so saturated, right? Whether it's my kind of business or yours, like you go on Google you're getting 50 options of like different things you can do. So just like anybody else, I'm going down the list. And I probably reached out to five or six places. And not only were you the um, first person to to respond, but your response time was pretty much immediate. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, you know, oh, here's all the information. If you're interested, just come in. It was like, you set an appointment. You were like, you need to be here at this time. I'm going to meet with you. And you, your process was was impressive. And it was that me just following the steps you gave me that made me your client. When by the time you had already closed me and I'd already taken my credit card and put it on the table, um, then uh, two weeks later, like one of the other places like, oh, I saw you filled out a lead form. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, nice. uh, the, time, the time has passed. <laughs> Sorry, guy. <laughs> Got to respond quicker. But yeah. yeah, for sure. What was the toughest part of the uh, process with training? Because I know you've had a couple of, uh, what do you call this, frustrations. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest one was bench, and you recently PR'd on bench. Yeah. You know, you'd come at... Uh, come and ask me, yeah, it's just the bench isn't moving. I said, it takes time. And what did you have to tell yourself over and over again? So luckily for me, I have an amazing coach. (laughs) And one of the things Maku told me from the beginning that I have never forgotten and that I reference not only often with you, but I've taken and reference with people on my team and in my life as well. Progress is not linear. Right. So we think about getting better as every time I come, I'm going to get better and better and better and better. And it's like this straight line up. And you were the one that really reminded me that progress is not a straight line up. There's going to be days and moments where you feel on top and days and moments where you're not days where you feel really strong, days where you feel really strong and you're not strong at all. days where you feel like horrible and then you hit a PR and you're like, where did that come from? So committing to the process, 
just showing up, being consistent is going to bring you to the results that you want, no matter what. Yeah. Right. Putting in the work. That's what we, you know, kind of like, I guess, the the theme that we're developing here on this talk, showing up and putting in the work. So, you know, now working with you for a year and a half, I can't even, you know, I, I can't even believe where, where I'm at and in my fitness because of training with you and, and being a member at Adelante, um, my starting point was, you know, was ridiculous. Um, which, you know, and I'll share on the podcast, like, uh, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes out of nowhere, you know, 38 years old and like just this autoimmune disease developed in me. I lost 30 pounds in three months. I lost all my muscle mass. And I went from 180 pounds to 140 pounds. Literally, like, I felt like a child. I'm like, I have no strength. So this is why I wanted to start working out again and working with a coach. One of, if one of the questions on the podcast is, you know, what what advice would you tell anybody that's thinking about starting an uh, an entrepreneurship? I'm always going to say, get a mentor, get a coach. That is always going to be one of the best pieces of advice that I would give anybody and that I would give myself that I wish that I, you know, got into coaching and mentorship sooner to cut my learning curve. But in relation to my fitness, working with you as a coach drastically reduced the amount of time, if ever, I would accomplish where where I am today. And I'd venture to say without a coach, without you as my coach, even if I did it on my own, it, it, I don't even think I'd come close to where I am today. Even yeah. if it took, you know, triple the amount of time, I don't even think that would have been enough. Oh so, man, that's very, and that, very and that's kind my, words. <laughs> and, that, and that's my honest, my honest answer on that. So, you know, in relation to my health and entrepreneurship, um, I and I maybe it's you know cliche, but I really feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. I really do. <laughs> I, re- I really do. We'll I, plug in a picture of your comparison uh, here. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, I literally just put up a before and after from like a few weeks before I started training uh, at Adelante with Maku versus you know just just a couple weeks ago, and it's like a night and day transformation. Yeah, yeah. But you know, my my commitment to myself and my health to be at the top of my game, it's the same principle and the same philosophy in entrepreneurship and you know and 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 going through that process if you want to perform at your peak and you want to be at your highest level you have to put in the work in yourself and prioritize yourself and commit to the process of improving yourself so that you can accomplish those results yeah going back to referencing mentors and coaches what checklist do you go through in your head when you meet somebody and you try to figure out if they're the right fit? Because I've experienced a couple of times working with, you know, college kids or, or people that want to start an internship with me. Mm-hmm. They don't even ask like, Hey, how are you? Or show any personality. And they try to get a job from me. Like, I don't even know who you are. Like, I'm not going to answer you. So right. what kind of advice do you give for, you know, the younger, you know, coaches, uh, entrepreneurs out there looking to network and not seem so like thirsty about it, you know, like just sending random DMs, no personality. Uh, yeah. What kind of advice would you give there? Yeah, I I, I mean, it's it's funny you say that because I think like there's just, you know, there's there's different waves of patterns and different waves of like habits that 
I've seen in business and in entrepreneurship over the years. And, and right now it just seems like the last six months has been an incredible flood of just like DMS random out of nowhere DMS on like, you know, whatever they're doing and how it's going to help me. And, and sometimes I'm just like, God, I, I can't even imagine how you would think this approach is a good idea. Like it's like, they don't even put, just any, laugh sometimes, don't they even put any effort into it. It's just like, you know, I, I, I know you want me to change your life. So here's my website, check it out. And I'm going to book an appointment with you to change your life. I'm like, that's horrible. <laughs> that's like a really bad approach. Um, I think I'll, I'll start with, with, with the mentality first, right? What, what is your motive? What is your mindset in even that approach? And the authenticity of somebody genuinely wanting to learn, genuinely wanting to improve themselves, I think is always going to show over a person who's trying to utilize strategies or tactics to get, you know, some type of relationship development. Um, I get really regular, you know, DMs on my, like my Instagram. I'm like, oh, do you have any opportunities? Can you connect me to this person and that person? And for myself, like if I, you know, I, if I can help somebody, I'll always try to, right? Like I really will because again, kind of going off of what we were talking about in the beginning, you never really know what those connections, you know, can lead to, right? I'm a believer of like the, the ripple effect, which is, you know, we have this here podcast here today, one person hears something on this podcast that's transformational in their life. And as a result, they do something that helps, you know, a hundred other people. I just believe in, in that, right? Does it actually happen? Will it ever happen? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Like, uh, I just believe that that's the way the world works, right? So it's important to nurture and to do those things. If you're a person who's looking for mentorship and looking for coaching, um, always lead with like your handout first. That's that's my opinion. Don't ask me all the things that I can do for you. Don't come to me to, you know, tell me all the things that you need for me. Just put your hand out first. And I think, you know, it's a lot harder to do that on a DM online, but in your actual relationships, in your actual networks, in the, you know, wherever you are, that's the mentality and that's the kind of approach that I, I think is best and always going to have the most impact. Um, you know, Gary Vee, which I'm, I'm sure we all know, one of the things that I learned from him in relation to exactly what we're talking about is if you have the opportunity to internship in an industry or an area that you have access to and, and you can do it for free just for the opportunity to do it, for the time to do it versus somebody who's trying to get paid to do it, do it for free because the result of you being in that environment is going to be far greater than you just trying to make 20 bucks an hour, you know? So I, I, I'm a big believer in that type of philosophy. Well, it's delaying the gratification of the 20 bucks now or the thousands and businesses and whatever I could start later. Exactly. You just, you just, yeah. and, and that's a really difficult thing. I think for a lot of people delaying the gratification, 
And I, I'm, I'm reminding myself of that, you know, right now, because I'm definitely a person who I want something, I'm going to go for it. And I, you know, like, I guess just we call it like the microwave generation, right? It's that immediate, you know, immediacy that, that that's so fulfilling or captivating for us. But there is so much power in being able to delay the gratification that I think if we can really tap into that more, the results of what we would accomplish would be would be tremendous. That's that um, one cookie now or two cookies later. <laughs> were right. you the were you the kid that took the two cookies later? Yeah, yeah same. Yeah, same here. I would take three. I the was first gonna time. just say I would take three. Yeah, I'd take the <laughs> I'd two take and then the donuts. one. Yeah. <laughs> the the other and then question try to, and then try to sell one for five bucks. <laughs> oh yeah, there <laughs> you there flip it. <laughs> <laughs> took a quart of water. Right. <laughs> um, the the question we like to close out with is, uh, what type of legacy would you like to leave? What a, what a powerful question. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to reference one of the things I said earlier, which is beginning with the end in mind, you know, and, and if I look at my life, not just my entrepreneurial endeavors, um, not just, you know, the ability or the excitement I get in creating things or, helping people and and making money. But if I look at my life, you know, who I am as a person, why I feel like I'm here, I would really love to be able to reach the end of my life, which will hopefully be a long life. Like I'm, I want to hit a, a buck 20 if I can um, to look back and really just feel that I lived my life with fulfillment that I lived my life with happiness, that I was a servant to any environment that was that I have been placed in. And that includes, you know, to to my family, to my children as well. And again, maybe it's cliche, but I really feel this way, that I really have helped people, you know, and if I can look back and feel like that's the mark or the imprint that I've left in this life, to me, it would, it would be a great life and a life worth living. It would be worth all of the challenges, the frustrations, the failures, the, you know, the difficulties. It would be worth all of it to look back and know that as a result of me being here, other people's lives and the quality of their lives were better. And as a result, hopefully a hundredfold from there for people that I don't even know. That's deep. That's solid. Good. Very solid. Very solid. It's a legacy, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. This is a great third episode we haven't released yet. But for sure. Yeah. Dang. We're getting, we're getting better, right? I think we're getting better. <laughs> Let's go. I All right. It. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for us. Episode three, All Season Podcast. Thanks for tapping All in. Right. Thank you. Thank you.